This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. This is the Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, all right. Yes, it's true. I should have uh, should have knocked on wood a couple weeks ago. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, and even a month or so ago, I was bragging how I had consistently broadcasted forty six episodes of the Bonfire podcast. You know, avoiding illness, managing to have vacations scheduled out in such a way that I happen to be back home in order to do a show and then deliver it on time, or do one beforehand and then go on vacation, what have you. But, of course, uh, just about a week or so after I said that, I got sick. And I thought, oh, I, I can still do a show. No, no, I didn't. So the streak is broken. <laughs> the streak has been broken at 46 This is technically episode 47, but it is now not 47 weeks in a row. I screwed it. So, with that being said, thank you for tuning into the Bonfire Podcast once again here at the end of 2016. I mean, when you're listening to this, this is the Christmas Eve episode. Now, believe it or not, I don't have anything Christmassy set up. I think I'll probably do that on the next one. Like I said, I'm basically a week behind. This was... Stuff I wanted to talk about the week before, before I got sick. And right now, in case you can't tell, I'm still a little sick. My voice is not what it normally is. I'm going to try to avoid coughing into the mic if I can help it. It's just not... It's not the usual me. <laughs> and that's fine. Because you're here to listen to this, the topics. You want to hear about these movie recommendations and reviews, book recommendations, interesting articles that I find. And have it kind of churn your own gray matter and make you start thinking about things like that okay it's not called the andrew Herzog show all right it's called bonfire there's a reason for that it's not about me right now i just happen to be the guy kind of leading the show talking about apolitical and still important topics can i stress that enough so right off the top how about star wars rogue one yes absolutely fantastic movie (coughs) there it is I wrote a review for Bonfire, put it up on bonfirethoughts.com. Movie review, I called it Rogue One, but I didn't spell it like the number, I just put W-O-N, because Rogue won big at the box office and in my heart. Bonfire rating, 5 out of 5. So far, I think the movie reviews that I have given with this uh, new measurement system that I started using ever since Captain America's Civil War, I believe, they've all been 5 out of 5. So I'm going to look for <laughs> different movies that I can say, well, that was about a four. I'm going to even be looking for ones one day that I can just do a one out of five and say this was a terrible movie. But so far, I, I like to just give you good movie reviews, movies that you should go see. This is one of them in case you haven't done it yet. Let me go over this real quickly. Excellence in a galaxy far, far away. Of course, cheese ball. Four points that I want to make. A simple plot, good performances, great characters, and grittier undertones. 
In other words, Rogue One was better than The Force Awakens. <laughs> and I might get some flack for that, for some people. I'm not a huge Star Wars nerd. There are much bigger ones out there than me. Very, very true. I'm also not totally ignorant. I know some people who have never seen the Star Wars movies. I'm in the middle. I've seen them. I've played some of the games. And that radio is still making noise over there. I'm back in the radio room once again, and I don't know where the mute button is on the main terminal over there to shut up the Blaze Radio Network when I'm trying to talk. A lot of changes around here. So anyway, like I was saying, I'm in the middle. I'm somewhat familiar with characters, the history, and sort of how all these different people over the years have written their own stories and anthologies and expansions and just all these crazy additions to the Star Wars universe. Okay, I'm in the middle. I'm not super knowledgeable, but I'm also not ignorant. I can confidently say Rogue One is better than The Force Awakens. Here's why. First of all, well, I mean, we knew what the plot was and how it was going to end in Rogue One. But nevertheless, we still wanted to see exactly how things went down right before Princess Leia got a hold of the Death Star plans. Anybody who knows anything about Star Wars knows, oh, wait, this is the movie between Episodes 3 and Episodes 4. So, it seems pretty clear what the plot will be and how it's going to end. But we still wanted to see it. It made hundreds of millions of dollars in its opening weekend. So yes, there was interest in seeing something we already knew what the ending would be. It was easy to follow what was happening on screen and enjoy this behind-the-scenes shtick that the movie put off. This was something that you're like, oh, wait, so that's what that meant. Or, hey, I can kind of see a connection there now. Yeah, that's cool, that's cool. And then when it ends, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. That kind of makes me fill in the blanks on episode four a little better. Like, oh, that, that makes sense right there, and that kind of fit over there. I like it. To me, that was a very behind-the-scenes kind of thing, kind of... Little-known facts kind of a movie. Rogue One also explained why it's seemingly too easy to destroy the Death Star in the first place. So when you see episode four, you're like, wow, that was uh, seemed pretty simple. And that was with the jokes in the Family Guy, Star Wars, um, you know, mockings, parodies, excuse me. Family Guy joked, saying like, wow, so all I have to do is shoot a torpedo into that little hole and it'll set off a chain reaction and blow up the whole Death Star? Yep. <laughs> okay, seemed a little too easy. There's a reason for that. Now it makes sense. Okay, I'm happy with that. The Force Awakens, on the other hand, repackaged a New Hopes storyline with new characters, and that was about it. All right. J.J. Abrams had to do what he had to do to kind of reintroduce the world to the Star Wars universe after George Lucas had butchered episodes one, two, and three himself. So to do episode seven, he knew he had to be cautious, and that was the safe bet. And it paid off. So fair enough. But I'm taking it at face value. And what I got out of it. Okay. Here was a plot that was exactly like episode 4, A New Hope. And it just was with some new characters and a couple old ones. Alright. Cool. Was I entertained? Yeah. Sp special effects? Yeah, sure. So I'm excited to see episode 8 whenever it comes out. Because that will actually be some continuation of the characters. The new characters. And maybe we can start seeing some real action. Something really making progress. This was a lot of rehashing, a lot of jokes, a lot of funny. Hee hee, that's funny. All right. Rogue One was not like that. They just jumped right into it. Second point. About um, uh, good performances. I wasn't expecting Donnie Yen, you know, the famous Chinese actor and martial artist, to make a good fit 
in the Star Wars universe, you know, when I first saw him in the trailer months ago. But I was pleasantly surprised. Both he and Mads Mikkelsen, the famous Dane, who starred in Casino Royale, they both performed well, and they complimented the Star Wars universe, I thought, very nicely. The leading woman, Felicity Jones, held her own, I thought, and she got me choked up a couple times. I wasn't bawling. Perhaps I'm someone who is too easily invested in a movie, you know. Now, I went and saw this by myself, unfortunately, because when I was going to go see it on a particular night, I think it was a Thursday, like for the premiere, that's when I started getting sick, and I really just could not make it to the theater. So I didn't get to see it that day. saw it a few days later, and I had to go by myself. And that's not too bad, because then when I'm by myself, I'm not really worried about anybody next to me. I'm just, I'm by myself. I'm just into the movie. And so I I do that at home sometimes. I'll watch a movie by myself. When I do that, I get really invested in these characters, and I start to try to put myself in their shoes. And that's how I can get emotionally attached to whatever the heck the movie's about. So in this case, when Felicity Jones, uh, what's her name? I actually don't know the name of the character. But when she just says, oh, I'm trying to find my my dad. Spoiler alert! (laughs) I'm trying to find my dad. And she's kind of heartbroken that dad left, and she's not really sure why, and she feels abandoned. Okay, fair. And she starts to cry on screen. You're kind of like, oh, I feel I feel for her. That was some real acting. That wasn't forced. I'm bringing this point up because the terrible, terrible cheeseball performances that we saw in episodes one, two, and three, namely Anakin, that's why this was different. I thought, all right, there you go, Felicity. She put some effort into this. Hayden Christensen, not so much. <laughs> all right, dude. Oh, man, you were terrible. You were terrible. Now, to be fair, Daisy Ridley did very well in The Force Awakens. And she got me teary-eyed, too. But I thought Felicity felt more relatable, you know, because we kind of knew more about her. We don't know much about uh, Rey in The Force Awakens. She's still a mysterious character. So I found it kind of, she's a little more distant. I wasn't able to connect with her as much. Number three, just the characters in general. I mean, we saw some hat tips to characters that we'll see again in A New Hope as well as Darth Vader himself. That was awesome. I gotta say, there's a scene at the end of the movie involving Darth, his lightsaber, and a hallway of rebels that impressed me. <laughs> and I was like, yes! Thank you. It's about time we start seeing scenes like that in Star Wars. That's all I'm gonna say about it. And if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. All in all, though, my favorite character was Donnie Yen with his Force-sensitive skills. He's easily defeating dozens of stormtroopers throughout the movie, and he's kind of cool, calm, and collected, making kind of jokes, having a good time. I don't know. He seemed like just a fun character. And interestingly enough, Donnie was hesitant to join the movie at all. You know, when they first came to him with the idea, he's like, well, I'm not really sure. And he's known as Ip Man here in the West, you know, because he's a Chinese actor, and he did very well in those movies. Uh, Those were foreign films, you know, kung fu movies, good stuff. Highly recommended, for sure. Now, finally, the grittiness of it all. This is kind of related to that Darth Vader scene. All previous Star Wars movies were definitely intended for younger audiences, and so they were conservative in their depictions of death and evil. For instance, when Anakin killed every every Jedi in the temple on Coruscant in Episode 3, we never saw it. Only the aftermath. You'd see some bodies with no blood or anything, just kind of lying there, and you're like, oh, I'm assuming that little Jedi there is dead. Okay. Here, in Rogue One, we saw plenty of death and destruction on both sides, and it wasn't subtle. I'm a fan of that. War is disturbing. It ain't glorious. So including some difficult scenes to spice up the variety was, I think, a solid move on their part. To see all the stormtroopers dying, but also in interesting ways, and then seeing your heroes as well suffer. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not a masochist here, but... 
it does bring the grittiness to it that Star Wars has not seen yet, in my opinion, on the big screen. So I like that freshness. As I've said before, The Force Awakens, it tried too hard to be funny, and that made me cringe. Rogue One had humor, but it was witty and natural, not forced, pun intended, like in Episode 7. So naturally, the music was spot on, and I was entertained. That was $10 well spent. Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Five out of five from the bonfire. Highly recommend it. In case you haven't seen it, go check it out. Enjoy it. Have fun with it. And just be like, you you know the ending. I've explained this before in terms of Avatar and other movies. You may know the ending. You may have kind of seen the plot before and been like, well, I've seen this before. All right, well, if the characters are different, it's a different setting, there can still be a case to be made, just like Force Awakens, like I've said just now. It's like A New Hope repackaged but with new characters. All right, well, I was still entertained. It's not the best movie in the history of forever. But although it had some of the same plot lines, exact same plot lines from episode four, I still enjoyed episode seven on its own grounds. It was different enough to be enjoyable. Rogue One, I think, did very well. Bonfire recommended. Go check it out. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. This is The Bonfire, on demand, on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. All right, here's a quick book review for your end-of-year reading. I, for some reason in the past couple years, am a much bigger reader than I ever have before. When I was a little kid, I did a lot of video games and TV. And, of course, school. And a little socializing. (laughs) But we all did that, right? Except for, I guess... In our case, in our house, we had a lot of video games and TV. Didn't do a lot of reading when I was a child. For some reason, it really hit me in college, and then I started picking up books all on my own and thinking, oh, I think I want to read this. And I guess my attention span changed in such a way that I was able to keep up with the book the whole time. But now I've grown to thoroughly enjoy my books. It could be about anything. doesn't matter. Not politics. (laughs) Not anymore. I used to do a lot of political books, but now... It's mostly historical, could be um, psychology, could be uh, fictional, not self-help. It could be like business. I mean, it could be self-help if you want to call it that. It'd be just how to better yourself, how to be a better person, you know, life hacks, that kind of thing. Yeah, those are those are fun. Those are interesting. It just gets your, gets your brain churning. It makes you think and say, oh, that's cool. I never even thought of that. That's a great idea. Or this person has a different life philosophy than I do. That's interesting. Ah, oh, that's interesting. Um, so that's <laughs> that's what it is, reading can be a form of escapism at the end of the day you do your job you do it well you come home and if you're like me you sit and listen to your music you know uh, uh, music with no lyrics soundtracks very nice and you enjoy your book for 30 minutes even or an hour that's perfectly fine you can squeeze that into your evening with that being said bonfire here recommends fahrenheit 451 this bad boy (laughs) 
Let's see. This was written, let's see, 60 years after its original publication. So I am assuming this was written back in 1953 would be my guess. Let me flip the page here. Copyright 1951. All right, 51, 53. Written in the 50s by Ray Bradbury. Uh, I never heard of him before. Not going to lie. But he actually has written copious amounts of stories. And that's great. He, he's, he is very well known for his uh, short stories. He's not this huge, you know, novel writer like uh, Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, writing just thousands and thousands of pages in their stories. Now, Fahrenheit 451 here. Let me quickly see how long he decided to make this book. Because I bought a special edition that has lots of context, history, criticism, you know, stuff in the commentary, like in the back of the book. So the whole story is 158 pages. That's pretty short. Some of the other books I read are two to 300 pages. All right, so 158, that's pretty short. All right, that's a good, uh, it's a pretty good volume right there. Fahrenheit 451, in case you don't know, it's basically about books and burning them. This concept here <laughs> that Ray came up with, that Bradbury came up with, he thought, you know what? What if firemen weren't the people who come to put out fires anymore? What if they were there to start them? Specifically, they're to start burning books. And so this whole story here, written in the near future, I mean, he wrote in the 50s, but it's supposed to be the late 21st century, I believe, using all sorts of references that, even back then, you're like, wow, he kind of he kind of saw the future. He understood where it was going. He's making the point, look, people are getting too attached to technology, and they're not willing to interact with their human beings anymore. We're being too technological. So he's saying people are tuned into their TVs and their music, their earpieces, and just being disconnected from reality way too much. Everyone is spending too much time in virtual reality. And he wrote this in the 50s. So I think this has some great parallels to today. <laughs> some of these comments and chapters. There's only three chapters in this book. But he makes the point like people walk around with these little seashell earpieces in their ears meant to listen to music and announcements and news. And the kind of news, though, that they're listening to is all positive, very happy. And it's all sports related or not Big Brother related, but it's all spoon fed to you. It's very specific. The government is controlling what they tell you so that they keep you in a state of happiness. And that is the society that the world is living in, in Fahrenheit 451. Everybody just wants to be happy. That is the bottom line. So don't tell me if we're at war. And if we are and people die, don't tell me about it. And if they are dying, let's get it over quickly. If my TV is broken, get it fixed right now so I can put it up on the wall. And let's have four in this wall. Let's make this whole room just a TV room where I can stare at all these screens and talk and interact and Skype and to blast the music and the noise and the TV and just consume myself in technology and disconnect from the real, the real world. That is what they're living with. It's crazy. And so society has chosen to burn books, to say, yeah, we don't want them. Get rid of them. They're bad. It does nothing but bad. It makes the world a terrible place. Books are outlawed. To me, that was a good idea. It was a good concept. My, uh, my girlfriend found this... Uh, this book and she suggested it she said hey let's read this and i'm like oh okay never even heard of it and i started reading and i said oh my gosh great story i always wanted to you know turn the page and keep going 
main character, Guy Montag, I would say. Guy Montag. Montag, Montag. I would say Montag. Guy Montag is a fireman. And I'm not going to give a whole lot away. But needless to say, he has a crisis. And he starts thinking to himself, uh-oh, what am I going to do? So it's a page turner. It's fiction, science fiction. Although Ray Bradbury wouldn't say that. He'd just say, no, it's just a story. Just a good, thought-provoking story. And that's what it's meant to do. It's meant to think, look, we should be valuing our books and all this knowledge. And if we're not reading, what are we doing? And if we're just like watching TV and listening to music and radio and talking nonsense, what are we doing? He definitely wanted to save a side of humanity that I would argue we kind of don't have anymore. How many people do you see on the subway with earbuds? Going to sports games and then, you know, enjoying the sports games and then like walking out like drones. They're just so consumed in sports and that's it. They're so consumed in their TV, their TV shows, their movies. They're so consumed in their music and that's it. They're one dimensional. They have no relationships with other human beings. They don't take the time to turn crap off every now and then and unwind. There's no balance. Uh, yeah, it's bonfire here. We do talk about movies and TV shows and all sorts of cultural aspects, but I say the same damn thing every time. Balance. Do I watch TV every day? No. Do I read every day? No. Depends on my mood. But I like to have my hand in several different things. Reading, writing, sitting still, staring at the wall, or sitting quietly and listening to music. All types of music. I'll sit and watch a movie or a documentary by myself if I'm feeling intellectual. And then I'll go and talk with friends, socialize with them, help my parents, whatever. I'm all over the place. Of course, that's how I define balance. That's how I define a form of success. Being able to do all that and enjoying it. So I think there is something to be said, though. We should not be all consumed in Twitter, Facebook, movies, TV shows, music, video games, anything like that. Don't be one-dimensional. Don't make that the defining characteristic of who you are. Have some hobbies, for God's sake. And have people in your life. Life is much better when you have someone in there with you. To give your time to. To talk to. And to listen to. <laughs> I like to listen. I like to listen more than I talk. And yet I have a podcast. In general, I try to think before I speak. Sort of write the sentence in my head before I even say it out loud. And so far, I think that has served me pretty well for the past couple of years. So there you have it. Fahrenheit 451. Short. Let's call it a short novel. Short stories, you know, those can be uh, a few thousand words. I believe this was 50,000 words, something like that. So it's a short novel. Fun read, page turner, science fiction, fiction, just to get you thinking and to be entertained. You can wrap your message in an entertaining way. Lord knows Hollywood does that all the time, except they have stupid messages. Here's a good one. Here's a good one. Fahrenheit 451. Go read it. The Bonfire, only on the Blaze Radio Network.
The Jeff Fisher Show. I go to a story, half the page is an ad. I got it. I see what you're doing. It doesn't need to be half a page. In fact, when it's half a page, it pisses me off. And then I scroll down. Let's scroll down to read the story. Let's scroll down. Oh, look, and then do you want to read the entire story? Because if you do, you got to click here. Why did I click on it in the first place? I wonder why. Because I wanted to read the whole story. The Jeff Fisher Show. Saturday mornings, 9 to noon Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Bonfire on Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. All right, here's a quick segment here. An article that I found on Medium, a uh, an app website, you know that I've talked about here before. Huge fan from Larry Kim. He's the founder of WordStream, and I believe he has. Let's click on his profile real quick. Hundred and thirty-one thousand followers. All right pretty respectable he says 11 things you can't change so quit wasting your time trying point being you got to pick your battles don't let these things and these are his 11 suggestions don't let these things get to you because you you can't change them it's beyond your control so don't waste your time and energy and emotions on them and you'll be better off you'll be happier you can focus on other things that you can actually change and affect. Number one, you're accountable to someone. Probably a lot of someone's, depending on where you are in life. It can be tempting to just take shortcuts, bend the rules, stretch your ethical boundaries in the pursuit of what you think is the ideal outcome, but we all answer to someone at some point. So you can't change the fact that you're accountable to someone, you know, not just yourself. No man is an island. You may think you are, but you're not. You are affecting other people, whether you know it or not, okay? That's beyond your control. People are watching you. Okay, I'm not saying the whole world is watching you, but people are watching you, all right? That is, that is a, that's a responsibility that we can't take lightly. You got to put the best example that you can forward. You want to help people, so be your best self. Number two, you're not going to live forever, <laughs> all right? Duh, you're going to die, and you can't change that. So don't worry about death. Don't worry about trying to squeeze so much into your life. Next thing you know, it's going to be over. Okay? That's what uh, older generations keep telling me. They say, Andrew, as the years go by, it just really speeds up. It just blows blows on by. It's crazy. I can't even begin to imagine because I'm only 26, almost 27 now. I do remember when I was a little kid, though, how long it seemed to take the year to go by, and now it kind of goes by in the blink of an eye. I can't even begin to imagine what it's like when you are older than 30. (laughs) Number three, you can't please everyone. Seriously, just stop. Trying to make everyone happy is a thankless, soul-sucking endeavor that will only leave you drained and miserable. Amen. You can't change that. You can't please everyone, so don't even try. Instead, you should worry about pleasing the right people. Number four, you'll never catch up to the Joneses. Thank you. You're always going to know someone with a nicer car, Bigger house, better job, hotter partner, whatever. Quit wasting your time trying to be someone you're not. Life is not a bloody competition. Uh, I added bloody in there, by the way. Larry did not say that. <laughs> yeah, you'll never catch up. Keeping up with the Joneses, um, there is always going to be someone better. Richer, smarter, more talented. So once you accept that, then you can accept yourself. You can look yourself in the mirror and say, why am I not the most beautiful person in the world? You'd say, um, because that guy over there is. That woman over there is even better. So stop. Now, what really stuck with me was the 
idea that like, yeah, keeping up with the Joneses, you'll be just like any other human being. You might be in a relationship and looking around and be kind of like, wow, maybe I should have gone for that quality or that person. Maybe I should have reached higher. Well, look, there's always going to be someone higher. And you better hope that your partner isn't doing that to you either. Looking at you and saying, you know what? I could have done better than you because there's someone better out there. So you know what? We're through. That sucks. Because that's not love. Love is a choice. Love is a choice to say, you know, I no, I am attracted to you. I like who you are. I respect who you are. I'm choosing to be with you every day. Every day I wake up, I make the choice over again. Yeah, I choose you today. I choose you. Because you are you're beautiful, you're smart, you're funny, you're selfless, intelligent, exciting, you like to have adventures, what have you. Whatever you're interested in, in someone else. But if you walk around with this mentality that, like, oh, I need to keep keeping up with other people. Um, I need to have a better car than this person. Or I need to try to match that guy who has his car over there and this house and that much money and this paycheck and this title. And, like, your wife is hotter than mine. Why did, why did, I, why did I not find the trophy wife? Okay. Stop. That is a, that is a deeply flawed human trait <laughs> to just want more. We're never satisfied. It kind of sucks. But if you accept it and say, yeah, well, we're human. We're always going to be craving more. So don't even try to keep up with the Joneses. Just define your own success and say, well, I have a family. I have a spouse. I have a roof over my head. I have a job and we have food on the table. And we get to go on vacation once a year. That is a good life. Okay, don't let anybody tell you differently. There's not much more to say. Number five, holding that grudge is never going to have the effect you're hoping for. Unless you're... Really, after prolonging your own pain and unhappiness, then yeah, go right ahead. Because yes, holding a grudge just gives that person power over you. That's what they're doing. If you're holding a grudge against Bob, then the entire time you hold it, Bob has power over you. Because when you bump into him, he's going to piss you off. When you think about him, he's pissing you off. You'll be going about your day the whole time. He's popping in and out of your head. Drop him. Drop the grudge. Get away. (laughs) Okay? Don't hold grudges. Nobody wins. Number six. Similarly, you can't control what someone else thinks, so don't even try. We all have our own independence, our own rational you know, souls that we can think what we want and do what we want. We have free choice like that. Okay, So you can't control what other people think. Don't even try. Be yourself. Stand up for what you believe in. Done and done. Number seven, yesterday is over. You can't get it back. Yeah, all right. Time is gone. To me, that's my most valuable resource in my life. I believe there's always going to be more opportunities for me to work and make more money. And, you know, I still got 40, 50 years of work, I'm sure. So, what's more important to me now? My time. Once that is gone, it is gone forever. Same thing for you. Every single human being has that same thing in common. We're all dwindling away our time. We only have a certain amount. So you better be careful on what you spend it on. Number eight, the world. No, you can't change it. (laughs) Larry's pretty brutal here. It's nice and inspirational and all to think one person can actually change the world, but some things are just bigger than all of us. You can definitely make a difference in the world around you. That's not a problem. Just watch that you're keeping your expectations of the impact you can actually have in check. Now, this is more about not the world, as in the seven billion human beings on the planet. That's, That's cute. That's a nice 
Hollywood goal for you to have, you know, make yourself feel good. But if you actually want to make a difference, you make a difference in your own circles, your immediate circle of influence and friends and family and coworkers. That's how you change. Because if each person affected positively in one regard or another, their immediate circle of people in their lives, the world would be better. Okay? It wouldn't all be because of Bob or because of Judith. It'd be because each one affected five other people around him or her. And then that's how it spreads. So, no, you can't change the world. You can change your life and the people in it for the better. So focus on that. Number nine, where you came from. You can't change it, all right? Privilege is a real thing. There's no denying it. You can't do a thing to change where you came from or the circumstances that you were born into, but you can't control where you're going. You might have to fight harder than others, absolutely, and that really sucks, but it's up to you to use what you might perceive as a weakness or a detriment and make it work for you. We're all dealt a hand of cards. We didn't choose those cards. Those are the ones that we were dealt. We were given. You can't give them back. That's all you have. So what are you going to do with it? You can't change where you came from. Don't even try. Number 10. Nothing is ever really private anymore. This isn't going to change. In fact, our privacy will continue to be eroded away in the years to come. Your emails, cell phone, photos, online footprint, and more will all tell their own stories with data. You know, there's data centers everywhere. They keep track of us. People do crappy things to each other for nefarious reasons. You just have to assume that nothing is ever really private and conduct yourself accordingly if you don't want the skeletons in your closet spilling out one day. We've all done stupid things. And in the age of the internet, it's probably somewhere online. I'm sure some of my crap is somewhere online too. So, whatever. My mistake. But moving forward, watch what you put online. Nothing is ever private, okay? You can't change it. I've never personally understood people who try to put in so much security on their emails, and I'm not talking passwords. I'm talking like, oh, I'm going to put up this system. I'm going to use this email service and try to hide this. And then whenever I send a text or a phone call, it deletes this, and it keeps it super private so that the world will never find it or the government or this company. I don't know. I don't think so. There was always going to be a track record somewhere. I just, whatever. I don't do anything nefarious in my emails or texts or phone calls, so I really don't care. If some random idiot decided to tune into my phone calls, you're going to be bored, buddy. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. You're not getting anything juicy out of me. So you're wasting your own time. So, But that's not the point. The point of privacy in general, yes, we all have a right to it. But the world around us... It's moving really quickly. I think we're starting to lose it. It sucks. So just watch what you put out there. Don't ever assume, oh, this is private. Oh, this is, yeah, perfectly safe. Oh, yeah. Mm, don't think so. And finally, number 11. You can't get back what you've lost. You can replace a lost investment. You can find a new partner. And there's no point in trying to change the fact that sometimes what's lost is gone forever. This is especially true of relationships. They might be rekindled, but they'll never be quite the same. Quit beating yourself up and focus on developing the skills and traits that can make a tangible difference in your daily life. YOLO. <laughs> Thanks, Larry. YOLO. <laughs> Jeez, if there's ever a more overused phrase. You only live once. Yes, Larry. Some things will be gone forever. Namely, one of the things I mentioned, time. Well, you can't get it back, so make the most of what you still have. Money, you can make more. And if you've lost it, you'll be like, all right, well, I lost 20 bucks on that football bet. All right, well, move on. Try to put the past behind you. Look forward. Be present. Be happy in the present and look 
happily to the future and say, oh, okay, I'm waiting for tomorrow's obstacles and I'll tackle them and they will get done. Don't overthink it. If you overthink it, you will be paralyzing yourself with fear. Deal with it in the moment. I would argue you could probably deal with it. You'll be fine. So don't freak yourself out. This is The Bonfire On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. Team Buck ladies want to know, does Tom Rogan own a kilt? I do not have a kilt. I, I think those, uh, uh, as much as I have, I'm, I'm going to be careful what I say here with my British sense of humor. But anyway, I uh, I don't know. I suppose under the kilt, I, I would be quite happy with, but my pale white leg bristling in the wind, I, uh, I'm not sure about. I don't even know what just happened. I don't even know what just happened. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. This is The Bonfire On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. All right, final segment of the week from Business Insider. The 25 worst movies of 2016, according to critics. Now, if I do say so myself, I'm an excellent movie critic because I didn't even have to see these movies to know they would be terrible. So I am right in the money. These 25 top movies that were the worst of 2016... I knew that. I already knew that. Because I didn't go see them. Because the trailers did nothing for me. Or your marketing campaign did nothing for me and there wasn't any word of mouth, no water cooler talk. You just failed. And Hollywood has been doing that a lot lately, yes. But here are the 25 most terrible movies of 2016. Number 25, Alice Through the Looking Glass. Okay, I didn't even see the first one. So, second one, naturally the sequel would not appeal to me. Don't care. Ice Age Collision Court. Okay. Ice Age. Here's what a critic said. It's time to put this franchise on ice for good. Yes, thank you. Enough Ice Age stuff. Holy crap. It's enough to have Shrek 4 and Shrek 5. That was enough. More than enough. I didn't even see those. Okay, I saw Shrek 1 and 2. I actually don't even think I saw the third one. So, there you go. I was already burnt out. That was enough. I don't need to see Ice Age 8, Collision Course, whatever the hell it is. No, thank you. Didn't have to see it. Number 23, Zoolander 2. Yeah, I saw the first one. It was all right. If you're in the mood for a goofy, kind of stupid humor (laughs) movie, every now and then, which I am, then yeah, I'll watch Zoolander. But Zoolander 2, yeah, no, sorry. I was not feeling it, Ben. Sorry, Ben. Don't think so. Number 22, The Fifth Wave. Okay. Here's what a critic said. The fifth wave is a typical example of the kind of dopey junk that passes for literature among today's unsophisticated teens. Ouch. (laughs) Sounds a lot like Twilight. Now, all of these critics, you know, these are like, uh, what is it? These are rated by critic scores on Metacritic. And that's a a good website, just kind of like Rotten Tomatoes, kind of IMDb also. They're all kind of a general rating system of movies that the public, the critics can all agree on, write on, whatever. So that's where these uh, this order is coming from and where these, these movies listed are coming from. These are the critics saying, nah, these were terrible. The Fifth Wave, I believe it was supposed to be something like a Hunger Games and some other recent book series kind of wrapped together. I don't know. But wasn't enough. Didn't care. The Divergent series, Allegiant. Okay, haven't seen any of those because I just don't care. It seems to be too much like Hunger Games. 
It's trying too hard. I don't know. Just no interest. Number 20. Independence Day Resurgence. Okay, I think I saw Independence Day maybe twice in my life. The first one, the original with Will Smith. I didn't think it was that good. I think I've seen better movies. That's my it's my impression. I don't remember the last time I saw it, but I never I didn't really have a favorable memory of it. So for there to be a sequel again, holy crap. More than a decade later? No. What Hollywood? Ah! You can't make something else up. These bloody sequels. Holy goodness. Oh, hey, Ride Along 2. No, never saw the first one, don't care. Oh, 18, here's a non-sequel. It's just called Warcraft, but it's based off of the video game, which I never played, because I have a life. Number 17, Get a Job. Never heard of it. The critic said, Brutally cynical, largely unfunny film fueled by muddled social commentary. <laughs> Maybe it's a movie that tried too hard to give a message? I don't know. But that was number 17, Get a Job. Never heard of it. Number 16, Boo! A Medea Halloween. I think it's Medea. The critic said, Medea remains a distinctive, weirdly compelling character. Maybe someday Perry will make a good comedy for her. I don't know who you're talking about. A character this director's made a lot? I don't know. Number 15, Fifty Shades of Black. This is a comedy, you know, like the scary movie 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, and like the epic movie. Those kinds of parody movies that just mock other ones. So instead of Fifty Shades of Grey, it's called Fifty Shades of Black. Yeah, I had no interest in seeing Fifty Shades of Grey or Black. Don't care. Number 14, London Has Fallen. Yeah, no. It's supposed to be like White House Down or DC Has Fallen, whatever. The, I don't know. Those movies did not appeal to me. It does have Gerard Butler, but sorry. Don't care, man. Critics said the action never stops once the first car bomb is triggered, but the second half of London Has Fallen takes place mostly in the dark, where nobody can see the budget. How? <laughs> Jeez. That's pretty brutal. No, I didn't see it, because I don't care. Number 13, When the Bow Breaks. Or When the Bow Breaks. I guess it's the bow. When the Bow Breaks. Never heard of it. Looks like a romantic comedy. Number 12, Nina. Never heard of it. The critics said a new low for the musical biopic genre. <laughs> okay. Number 11, The Choice. Never heard of it. Number 10, Man Down. Never heard of it. Oh, man. All right, number 9, Gods of Egypt. All right, and I did see that trailer, and I thought this looks terrible. It also had Gerard Butler. He is not doing too well this year in 2016. He's making some pretty terrible movie choices. Yeah, Gods of Egypt just looked cheese. It looked way too much CGI. You think, like, so many movies are doing that now. It's It was sort of a joke in the early 2000s when people were like, whoa, movies have lots of CGI now. Uh, compared to today, where they'll have the actor act out the entire movie on a green screen and then the editors just do the rest. That's not a movie. That's lame. Holy crap. Do something. I mean, even Bond, I, for to a degree, will still shoot on location. They'll put in the money to fly to these places and be like, well, we want this shot. We need to actually be there. That's going to look a lot better than us trying to animate it on the computer. Ain't that the truth. Number eight, The Sea of Trees with Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, never heard of it. And the critic says, not even Matthew McConaughey can sustain the mushy, amateurish story which digs itself a deeper hole as it moves along. Hmm. Number seven, Yoga Horses. Wait. Yoga Hosers. Okay. Nope, never heard of it. Number six, Search Party. Never heard of it. Number five, Max Steel. Eh, I don't think I've ever heard of it. Number four, Norm of the North. 
I don't think I've heard of it, but maybe. The critic said, With plot elements cobbled together from recent animated hits, the blandly executed pick might as well be titled Happy Minions of Madagascar's Ice Age. That sounds like it would probably be about right. If that's the problem that this movie had, being just too similar to Minions, Despicable Me, Madagascar, and Ice Age, okay. No originality. Number three, Dirty Grandpa. Okay. Jeez. Metacritic score, 18 out of 100. (laughs) Critic said, If Dirty Grandpa isn't the worst movie of 2016, I have some serious cinematic torture in my near future. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Didn't even have to care. There's Robert De Niro in it. I mean, Dirty Grandpa? I don't know what he was thinking. Number two, Mother's Day. Never heard of it. The critic said, Mother's Day is the cinematic equivalent of spilling boiling hot coffee on your mother when you bring her burnt toast for breakfast in bed. It's an interesting visual. Just sounds like a terrible movie. And number one, Nine Lives. Never heard of it. Got an 11 out of 100 from Metacritic. And he said, At 87 torturous, laugh-free minutes, the film could change the most avid cat fancier into a kitty hater. <laughs> so it's a cat movie? for almost an hour and a half. Oh my gosh. Hollywood is screwed if they continue pumping out crap like this. That's why we need more movies like Rogue One. More books like for, uh, Fahrenheit 451. And when we don't get those, we need to realize, okay, we can't change it. Hollywood will continue to do its own stupid thing. And so don't let it get to you. Don't let it bug you. That is what we've learned on this week's podcast. That's what I learned. I can enjoy a movie and a book, but also, you know, let the water run off my back like a duck. Just kind of shake it off. No, Taylor. Stop. Just shake it off. That's what you need to do in life. No one owes you anything. You have no rights other than life, liberty, Pursuit of happiness. Pursuit of happiness being not just whatever makes you happy. No, that's not what it meant. Pursuit of happiness being that which you need to pursue life and liberty, among other rights as a human being. Right to your own opinion. Things like that. And in my opinion, the right to a book. (laughs) You, everyone should be reading books for 10 minutes a day. Even do five minutes. This is coming from the guy who used to never read, but now I do. Books help open and articles online from good websites like Medium can help you think about new things from different perspectives. Come up with your own ideas and say, you know, I never even thought about it that way. Wow. And have great questions that you ask yourself and ask others. Just keep digging deeper and keep trying to be your best self. That's what 2016 was all about. Year of self-discovery. 2017, I'm not sure what I want that year to be. It's coming up pretty soon. But I'll have to come up with a sort of theme for 2017. I think I learned a lot about myself, 2016. That was a good year. And hopefully hopefully you thought it was a good year as well. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning into the Bonfire Podcast. From the sick, Andrew Herzog here. And Bonfire is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Of course, the uh, main website, bonfirethoughts.com. We encourage you to still go out there and check out some of the articles, like this you know, movie review that I wrote, and other kind of life experiences, advice, reviews, 
general thoughts and opinions on apolitical stuff. Rest assured, when you want apolitical, you come to Bonfire. So, Merry Christmas. I'm not going to say Happy New Year, because I'll say that on the next one. Because I think ahead. I think ahead. That's what I try to do. When I'm not sick. Which I am. So, with that being said, I'm going to go save my voice now. I'm going to go home, drink some tea, because I need to go to bed. And I can rest my voice again. I will try to beat my 46-week record sometime in 2017. This is number one. This is number one right here. Let's go 46 more weeks from this moment right now, and I will break my consistency record for bringing the apolitical entertainment to you people. And when I say you people, I mean my friends. Andrew Herzog, out. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand.